Thanks, Amy. Um, I'll tell you uh, something she just kind of went over real quick, just to kind of give you a picture of what we mean uh, when we talk about giving and what your giving has done when she says wish list. Um, but before the students show up at Oakley, we do a breakfast for them, for, for the teachers and staff and stuff. And part of that breakfast is we give every teacher, uh, every classroom, a blank sheet of paper and say, what do you need in your classroom? Fill it out, give it back to us. And so we get a list of all kinds of stuff. And your giving allows us to go get that stuff for them. Whatever's on that list, we tell them yes. And we get it for their classroom and give it to them. Because for those of you who have been teachers, you know uh, that the budget you have for your classroom and the money you have to spend on your classroom, there is a gap in between those things. And we want to help teachers meet that gap. And so, so thank you for your giving and doing that. Now, the two announcements that I have uh, are one about groups. Uh, our growth groups will be kicking off the week after Labor Day, not the week of Labor Day, but the week after Labor Day. And so those signups are online right now. If you're already in a group from last year and your group is going to continue, your group leader should have already added you into a group. But if not, uh, let your group leader know that you're, you're, you're back in and they will add you in. But if you're new and you don't have a group, we really, really encourage you to join a group. And here's why. Um, if you want to feel connected to this church, you need to be in a group. Because oftentimes you come here, and this is great, and, and, and I believe uh, what we do on Sunday mornings is part of our discipleship process. But what we know is that life change happens better in circles than it does in rows. And right now you're sitting in a row, and you're receiving truth, and you're receiving, and you're worshiping, and it's good. But there's something deeply spiritual and good that, and transformative that happens when you're sitting in a circle with people, studying God's word together, praying for one another, and caring for one another. And so whether you're online or whether you're in person, we want you in a group. And so we will do the best that we can to provide that group for you. And so if you go there and there's not a group that meets your, the time that you have available or, or what you want, there's also a group called Waiting List, right? Fill out that information for the waiting list. And then what I do is I look at who's on that waiting list and see if we can create a group uh, from that, uh, see if we have leaders for that. So that waiting list is critically important because our prayer during this season is that everyone that wants a group has a group. And so we want to help you do that. And so just so you know, there's, there's groups on there that are couples groups that are open. There are men's groups that are open. If you look and there's not a women's group right now, it's because I'm working on getting some information to do one. So there will be one. Um, but you'll also see a couple of focus groups. Now, these are groups that meet for a specific season for a specific reason. That's why they have a focus. There's one on how to study your Bible that Matt King is going to be leading. Uh, and so if you're, if you're interested in what it means to study your Bible, uh, you can do that one. There'll also be what uh, is known as a David Men group starting up in October. This is a, like a 10-month uh, group where you'll read You'll read like 10, 12 books. You'll, you'll memorize scripture together, pray for one another. It's kind of a deep dive into what it is to be a man of God. And so that's not on the website yet, but it will be uh, shortly when we get those details worked out. I just wanted to let you know that that was coming up. Now, my other announcement is about a new hire that we have done, which I'm very excited to announce. We have just a hire, hired, not the whole family, not the whole Sutton family, um, but just, just Matt. We've hired just Matt, um, although the whole family is awesome. Uh, and so Matt will be coming on starting September 1st as our associate pastor. Uh, and so what that means, if you've ever been in the church world, what an associate pastor does is a little bit of everything. 
Right, and so Matt and Anna are actually here today. Matt, if you'll stand up so everybody can, can say hi to you and come, come greet you. This is his wife, Anna, next to him. Um, so we're very excited. Um, so you'll see more and more of him. His primary focus in his job will be worship uh, and getting our worship team rebuilt and, and get that going. Um, he will also be doing some teaching on Sunday mornings um, and volunteering under Andrew with FSM to, 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 uh, to work with um, students because he loves being around students. So we want to do that. So, um, so very excited. All right. Um, so with that, let me tell you something um, that you may or may not know and, and about me, and, and, but here's the deal. I also want to see if you do this, all right, because I have this habit that I do, uh, particularly when I'm driving alone. What I've noticed this week as the summer's been pop- popping around in my head is that during the pandemic, I found myself talking to our dog a whole lot more, and so it also happens when I'm walking our dog um, because I can act like I'm talking to her, really I'm talking to myself, right? Anybody talk to yourself like out loud when you're driving or walking? Go ahead. Who's bold? Yes. Give me a yes. Raise your hand if you do. I do it all the time. Y'all, and when I was teaching and had so many things going through my head, I would talk to myself in different accents so I didn't get the conversation confused, right? Like, like that was a whole new level for me. But, but here's where this habit uh, goes a little bad. Now, maybe you do this too, when you're, you're talking to yourself. Uh, because when I'm going through a season in life where I've got conflict in it, particularly uh, if I have tense relationships in my life, and, and, and by that I mean uh, relationships where disagreements uh, happen, relationships where miscommunication continues uh, uh, to live, relationships maybe where there have been arguments. If, if that's happening, when those are in my life, I can find myself reliving some of those conversations and talking out loud like I'm talking to that person, right? And, and, and here's what I do. I, I find myself not only talking to that person, a lot of times I find myself saying things that I would never say to that person and never say in that conversation. Now, y'all boldly raised your hand that you talked out loud to yourself. Anybody want to be bold and say, yeah, me too on that? Like, like I do that. And, 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 and I figured a lot of you do that too. Well, if you do this, right, whether you raised your hand or not, if you do this, then you know what it is to hold a grudge, right? Have you ever heard that term, to hold a grudge? Well, to hold a grudge against someone is defined as this. It is this persistent feeling of ill will, right? A persistent feeling of resentment resulting from a past injury. And when I keep repeating uh, those conversations in my head, when I keep doing that, what I'm doing is I'm holding a grudge against someone. And, and against someone, too, that could be very close to me. It doesn't have to be like the person that checked me out at, at Target or Walmart. Like, it's not that. It's, the, it's usually people that are really, really close to me. Now, I once heard this saying uh, that said this, It said to hold a grudge against someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right? Can you imagine sitting at a table with someone and there's poison in your glass and you drink it and you expect them to pass out? That's what holding a grudge is like. Right? Because that person you hold a grudge against, guess what? They have no clue. This is you, and this is in your head. And, and, and I bet, I bet 
those of you who raised your hands or those of you who have nodded, uh, those, those of you who have people that you know that you're holding a, grunge, a grudge against. Because see, here's the deal with, with holding a grudge, that it leads to what the Bible calls a root of bitterness, right? Which is a biblical term. It's a root of bitterness. And bitterness means anything that is poisoning your soul. And so when you hold a grudge against someone, you are drinking that poison. You are allowing that root of bitterness to grow. But here's the good news, y'all. And gosh, here's what I hope we walk away with today. Because, because as, we, as, as, we, as I prayed for this service, as I introduced services, I always say that, that I want you leaving this place with more faith and trust in Jesus than you had when you walked in. And, and I hope that that happens today. In particular, I hope that today we see that Jesus offers, offers us something better than holding a grudge against someone. That Jesus offers us something better by giving us this, by giving us rest from bitterness. Now, in our, in our little um, hammock up here, this is our last, uh, our last block. Uh, he gives us a rest from bitterness, but I thought that was a little tight, so I'm just, I just wrote grudge on this side because it, it fit better. Uh, but, but we see how Jesus gives us rest from this. this. And, and now the hammock is empty. I'm not going to get in it. But at least not yet. I might when y'all leave, but not, not right now, right? Because if we, on AFV, we might get $10,000 if I do. But uh, we'll save that for later. <clears throat> but here's the deal. Like, like the rest that Jesus offers, we keep putting stuff in that hammock, don't we? That makes that hammock uncomfortable. And holding a grudge, allowing a root of bitterness to grow, is one of those things that we've put in there. And Jesus offers us rest to, to, to take that out. And see, as, as, as you and I, as Jesus followers, we don't have to hold a grudge against someone because Jesus shows us a much better way. He's going to show us the kingdom way to deal with it, right? That there's a much more life-giving way to experience relationships than holding a grudge against someone. And so if you're curious what this is, turn with me to Matthew 18. We're going to be in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And as you're turning there, if, if, if you, uh, you, know, you can, you can um, uh, look on your Bible, you can turn it on on your phone, you can uh, use the Bible you brought with you. If you don't have a Bible, please let us know. We've got some and we would love to give you a Bible on the way out. But, but as you're turning there, uh, let me tell you what's happening around this passage. I always think it's important when we do series to try and look at scriptures in the context that they're in instead of just kind of pulling it out and looking at it. But let me tell you what's, what's happening around this passage because Jesus is teaching uh, those that he's with He's teaching those around him about the incredible love of God. Like he, he, he just taught about, about Jesus, I mean, about God uh, being the good shepherd and about going after the one sheep that wanders off because uh, he loves his people that much, that he'll leave the 99 in the pasture where they're safe, but, but he will do whatever it takes to go after, after the one. And then he moves from that conversation to this conversation about confronting sin, right? Because what happens when you go after that one sheep? Right? You've you got to deal with the reason that they left the flock, and you've got you've to talk about sin. And, and Jesus talks about, hey, there is a kingdom way to, to confront someone. There's a kingdom way to handle these tense relationships, that you go to that person by yourself, and, and you open the Bible up, and you say, hey, this is what God's word says. This is what I, I think I see you doing. Let's unpack this. What's going on? 
how are you? And then, and then if they deny God's word, if they deny the sin in their life, then you bring somebody else that has seen the same thing. This isn't just someone that you've gossiped to about it. This is someone that has seen the same thing and believe the same thing. And then the three of you sit down with your Bibles open and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is what we see you doing. Let's, let's have a conversation about it. If that doesn't work, then, then it's a bigger group that have seen the same thing. And it's this process. But this process is all there, right, to help the person step away from the sin that so easily entangles their life and, 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 and step into this trusting relationship with God, right? To step back into to, to good and true fellowship with God's people and with Jesus. And that's the teaching that, that surrounds this. And then after that, this is what happens. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, comes up in chapter 18, verse 21, and says, then, says this. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Right, and so, so, so keep in mind, here's the deal. Like Jesus has just taught me, and the heart of God is to go after those who wander and deal with the sin that's in their life and, and do everything it takes to, to draw them back into a relationship with God. Oh, and I forgot to say this part too. In, in Matthew 18, this whole, this whole deal of church restoration, if they still continue to say no, then, then you treat them like, like a non-believer, which means you introduce them to the gospel again. Like, like your job is to woo them back, not to separate yourself from them. Because right? we don't separate ourselves from unbelievers in that way we introduce them to Jesus and so it's a, it's a whole new relationship with this person and so Peter one of the disciples hears this and he's like yeah 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 Jesus I got it check but how many times like really like if if this joker keeps sinning against me how many times do I have to go through this process now Peter being uh, I think uh, somewhat generous in his own mind uh, says seven times right that's plenty. Because the current rabbinic teaching, like the rabbis at the time said, well, you, you do that three times. Now, Jesus gave kind of a four-step process. So maybe he took the three and the four and combined them together and said, Jesus' way is great. The rabbi's way is great. I'm going to be even better and put them together and let's do seven. And surely Jesus will say, yes, after seven times, if they sin against you, then you can hold a grudge against them. Then you don't have to forgive them anymore. Then you don't have to do this process anymore. You're good, Peter. Thanks for asking and clarifying that. Well, Jesus doesn't, right? Because, because Peter has this flaw in his thinking right siblings let me those of you who have brothers and sisters let me ask you this do you ever get tired of your parents telling you to forgive each other right then you know exactly what peter's feeling right now right because the feeling is how many times do i have to forgive them like it's not them forgiving me i'm good but how many times do i have to forgive them right that's exactly where Peter is. And see, here's the flaw in Peter's thinking, and I think it's a flaw in our thinking when we feel this way too. Because listen, when you hold a grudge against someone, when that root of bitterness grows, it's because you're thinking the same way Peter is, and there's a fault in it. And here's the fault, right? This is what keeps that grudge being held onto. It's what keeps the root of bitterness growing, is that forgiveness is dependent on me. Right? Whenever I say the limit is, that's where the limit is. And then all these conversations in my head make sense. Then holding a grudge makes sense. Then this, this root of bitterness grows. You see, see, Peter thought he understood Jesus' heart of forgiveness. Right? That seven times, that's gracious. But eventually, I don't have to forgive anymore. Right? Eventually, 
holding a grudge makes sense. Eventually, the bitterness that I feel in my heart, this poison that I keep drinking, it eventually will hurt them, right? You see, he thought his limit was the right limit. And see, when you and I hold a grudge, we do the exact same thing. Well, this is why Jesus says this in verse 22. Verse 22 says this. It says, Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some of your translations may have 70 times seven times. Like, like what Jesus did is he just dropped this bomb on Peter, where Peter thought, no, 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 seven, man, that's crazy, seven times? Like, that's impossible. I don't even know if I can make it seven times, but if I do, I don't have to forgive him anymore. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No, 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 it's 77 times. It's more than you think. It is this impossible number. And what he's doing is he's getting Peter's attention by, by showing the impossibleness of Peter's approach. That if forgiveness is dependent on you, then I'm going to raise the stakes so that you can, you can hear something that you needed to hear when I told these stories. Is that, is that when I told you about confrontation, is that forgiveness, if it's dependent on you, is always going to be impossible. Right? If you're going to set the limit, it doesn't matter where we set the limit, it's going to be impossible. There's no way, if forgiveness is dependent on me, that I can do this. And so Jesus has set this, this bar. And so now what he's going to do is he's going to twist Peter's thinking to the right way. Because look at what he says in verse 23. He goes, he goes, therefore the kingdom of heaven. And anytime Jesus says, therefore the kingdom of heaven, it means he's about to tell you something about the kingdom way of doing things. He's about to tell you something about the, the Jesus way of doing things. It's like this code word. And what he's going to do is he's going to show Peter that, that forgiveness isn't dependent on you. It's actually dependent on something else. And when you get what it's dependent on, Holding a grudge doesn't make sense anymore. Letting a root of bitterness doesn't make sense anymore. Having a limit to forgiveness doesn't make sense anymore. And so, so Jesus tells this story. He tells what's called a parable. Now, a parable are stories that Jesus told for a specific point. And the trick with a parable is you, you can't get too detailed. Jesus tells this story to make a point, not ten points, Right? And we're going to pull that one point out, and we're going to make some applications from it. But, but, but it's, a, it's a story that Jesus told for a point. Let's see if we can pick up that, that point. Verse 23, he says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle one, he brought, him, uh, he brought to him uh, who owed him 10,000 talents. And I'll explain that in just a minute. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. Now, this seems pretty harsh, right? Like, like, like here's, here's what you have to know, that the amount that this guy owed, this servant, the amount that this servant owed was astronomical, right? It was impossible. A talent of gold is 75 pounds, right? Imagine 75 pounds of gold is one talent. This guy owed 10,000 of those, Right? That amount, I can't even do the math to figure out what that actual dollar amount would be. Some of you Excel spreadsheet whizzes and think y'all can do it real quick. Josh, give me a number here in about two minutes, all right? Um, uh, right? But, like, 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 but I'm not that way. But, but here's the point. The point is that this guy had accrued a debt which could never be paid back. 
It was this astronomical. It was this, it was this impossible amount. And so, so this parable is designed for Peter and for those listening. It's designed for you and I to feel the impossibleness of this situation. Of owing a debt that is impossible to pay back. That no matter what you do and no matter how hard you work, even, even selling yourself and your wife and your kids into slavery isn't going to pay that back. A lifetime of service won't pay that back. Right? And just like we feel the impossibleness of what it is to let go of a grudge, of what it is to forgive someone, of what it is to, to pull up that root of bitterness, we are right here where, where everybody else is. This is impossible. And so how do we get from the impossible to the possible? Well, look at, look at verse 26. It says, So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. Right? So the master looked at the servant who owed this astronomical amount of money and said, You know what? You're free. You're forgiven. You don't owe anything. And so you see that the point Jesus is leading to here is, isn't that this is impossible, right? But that this feeling of impossibleness, this feeling of, of someone owing a debt that they could never repay is actually a springboard to the possible. What Jesus is showing is that the point of this parable is forgiveness. And as Jesus tells the story, he's saying, and by the way, in the kingdom, this kind of forgiveness is possible. Matter of fact, it's not only possible, it's, it's kind of normal when you understand what the rest is going to be laid out in this, in this parable. Now, this guy was completely released of this huge debt. He didn't have to pay any of it back. He was completely forgiven. And so here's the question. Was the forgiveness given to him impossible? No, it wasn't because, because the, 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 the guy who had all the money, the guy who loaned him this stuff said, said you are free. And Jesus is letting us know that there is this kind of forgiveness is possible, right? It's normal for those that are in Jesus. But, but here's the deal. We have a hard time believing that, don't we? When we run those conversations in our head, when we are driving down the street or talking to our dog, when we're walking down the street about someone, that's when we have a hard time forgiving that. We have a hard time forgiving that this kind of forgiveness is possible. This guy did too. Watch. In verse 28, it says this. It says, But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, now a hundred denarii, a, a denarii was basically a day's worth of labor, right? It was a, it was a, a day worker's uh, wage. And so this guy owed about a hundred of those. Now, here's the deal. This debt was still substantial, uh, but nothing compared to the 10,000 talents, Right? Like, like it was small and it was real. And, and so here's, here's where, uh, I don't know that the parable is actually making this point, but years of counseling has. And so I want you to know that the hurt that you feel, the, the thing that you want to hold a grudge against someone, it is substantial. Like it's real. It's real. And you have to acknowledge that to be able to do what Jesus is asking us to do. You have to acknowledge the hurt that you feel before you can forgive that hurt. Like this debt was real and it was substantial, right? But look at what the forgiven guy's heart is in this. In verse 28, it says, But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, began choking him and say, Pay what you owe. 
choking the guy. Can you imagine? Right? He began to choke him. And see, but see, here's what's crazy. Like we read that and we're like, ooh, choking the guy. That guy's crazy. But when we hold a grudge, like, let's get real real here, right? Let's get vulnerable. You know, choking someone seems like a reasonable option at the time, doesn't it? Right? Oh, that's, that's not as crazy. he's not as crazy as I thought he was. He's just like me. Right? Now imagine, I don't know how much debt you're currently carrying in your life, but what would you do if I told you all your debt is paid off? Your house, your credit card, your car, like, like all that stuff is paid off. I'm going to pay that debt for you. You are free. Would the first thing that you do be go out and choke someone? No. You would celebrate, right? You'd put more money on the credit card, right? Like that's what you would do, right, right? So, so you would celebrate. But this guy, here's, why, here's the, what Jesus is getting to. This guy has no idea what was just given to him. He doesn't understand the forgiveness that was given to him. And y'all, this is us when we hold a grudge. When, this, when, this, when we allow this root of bitterness in us to grow in our soul. You see, when we hold a grudge, we do it because we forget our own forgiveness. Right? That's why we hold a grudge is because we forget what we have been forgiven. We forget our own forgiveness. Well, look at what happens next in verse 29. It says, so this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you is what this guy said. Which, by the way, is the same thing the forgiven guy said about the 10,000 talents. Have patience with me and I'll pay you back. Well, look at what, look at what our, our, our star of this parable does. He said he refused... And went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. And so he did something completely different than was done to him. Instead of forgiveness, there is punishment. Right? Instead of forgiveness, there is punishment. Look at verse 30, uh, uh, 31. It says, And when, this fellow, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Now keep in mind, the context of this is Matthew 18 and dealing with sin. People that hold a grudge and have a root of bitterness growing, we don't like tattletales. We don't like someone coming to us and saying, hey, I think this might be sin in your life. Right? That, that's always actually a key factor that you don't understand the forgiveness giving to you is you're not a type of person that allows somebody to, to talk into those areas and speak into those areas. Now, I hope that they do it kindly. I hope that they do it biblically. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if your heart has this wall around it where no one can, can step in and point out the sin that they see in your life, there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. There's some, some understanding of forgiveness that needs to happen. It says, then... His master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so Jesus's point in this parable is a very, very simple one. And it's this, it's that forgiven people forgive people, right? That when you have been forgiven, the kingdom response to that is to forgive others. Why? Because you're the one that's been forgiven the 10,000 talents. And, and that offense that you hold on to, that grudge that you're holding, that root of bitterness that, that's taking place, that's the 100 denarii. It's significant. It's there. But it doesn't compare to what you've been forgiven. It doesn't compare to all of that. Because you see, you and I have been forgiven a 
a debt which we could never, ever repay. We could never, ever do the work that it would take to cover over the debt that our sin has created. And this is what Jesus has done for you. He's paid the penalty of your sin. And by sin, I mean anything in your life that you do that God says not to do or anything you don't do that God says to do, right? That's sin. And what it does is it mars the relationship between you and God. And Jesus has taken care of that. And he has paid the the penalty of your sin. He has removed the power of that sin so that you can have this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who knows you. That's that's what you've been forgiven of. Now this, 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 this door is open wide for you and God to have this life-giving relationship. There's a, a, a prophet in the Old Testament, and prophets' jobs were to, were to declare things over Israel that Israel might not understand yet. The Spirit of God spoke to them, and they spoke to the people. In Isaiah, he was, he was a pretty winded one, right? Isaiah in the Old Testament is a really long book. But in the book of Isaiah, he says this. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And each of us have turned to our own way, and, 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 and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And iniquity is a word for sin, that, that God has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And this is where we see Jesus paying this debt. And it was placed on Jesus to deal with and to handle that, that all that debt is placed on him, and our sins are forgiven, right? Because Jesus deals with it. And then God says this about forgiveness In the New Testament book, in Hebrews, God says, I will remember their sins no more. Right now, here's what's important. Here's the big deal about this forgiveness. It means that when Jesus died on the cross and and was resurrected from the dead to prove that everything he said was true, right? Like, Like we pay attention to people that are resurrected, right? And that everything he did and said was true. It means that no matter what, with Jesus and only with Jesus, Your sins are, no matter when and no matter what, whether they were yesterday, a year ago, whether they were decades ago, whether they were last night, whether they were this morning, or get this, this afternoon, tomorrow, and the next day, and the rest of your earthly life, those sins are forgiven. Already. Already forgiven. All of them. See, this is your 10,000 talents. And instead of punishment, you get freedom, right? Instead of death, you get life, right? This impossible forgiveness has happened to you and to me and to everyone who says yes to Jesus' invitation. But with this forgiveness, there comes a choice, right? What do you do with it? That's what Jesus is getting to. What do, you, what do you do with it? What do you do with this kind of forgiveness? Do you hold a grudge against someone? Do you let this root of bitterness grow? Or is there a better way? Do we drink poison and expect them to get hurt? You see, if forgiveness depends on you and me, then yeah, that's what we do. We do hold a grudge and we do let bitterness grow. But the kingdom way, Jesus' way, is to forgive them. Because forgiven people forgive people. And see, it's here that there's this invitation to rest. There's this invitation to 
to take. I don't know if you've noticed, but when I talk about holding a grudge, like, I, I mean, I feel it in my fingertips, don't you? Like, 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 you just feel like you're holding something, and there's this invitation from Jesus to open your hands and just release that and to let him carry that. Because here's the deal. You're not letting it go. You're giving it to Jesus. Let him deal with that person. Right? That's the invitation to rest, is you don't have to do the work of holding on to that anymore. You can forgive them. So when you hold a grudge, when, when, do you, when do you hold a grudge? When do you let bitterness grow? See, I think the proper response is we give the same forgiveness given to us. That's what we do. We give the same forgiveness given to us. And so maybe for you, the first step is to receive that forgiveness. Maybe for you, you, you haven't said yes to Jesus, to his offer of, of salvation, to, to, letting him, to, to letting him take the sin off of your shoulders. Well, then do that today. Because without that, without knowing that kind of forgiveness, you can't do this kind of forgiving. forgiving. Right? And so the way to do that is simple. You realize that the sin in your life needs forgiveness. And that Jesus is the only one who can do that. Jesus is the only one that can give you this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who created you. And it is as simple as saying yes. Yes to Jesus. Yes to his invitation. And yes to him being the Lord of your life. And not you anymore. It's not your limits. It's Jesus's. So if you haven't done that, then let today be the day that you do that, right? Let today be the day that your sins are forgiven forevermore. And for those of us who have done this, then maybe the step for us is to forgive those that we hold a grudge against, right? Maybe it's to forgive those that we hold a grudge against. And so, so, so if you've already said yes to Jesus, here's what Jesus' forgiveness means. It means that someone, when someone hurts you, which they will, Right? We are humans and we hurt each other. And someone will hurt you and it'll be someone close to you. And it may be a deep hurt or it may be a very small one, but someone will hurt you. And it means that you choose not to hurt them instead. You choose not to hurt you instead. You release them. When someone disagrees with you, you don't hold a grudge. When someone offends you, you don't hold a grudge. You don't let this root of bitterness grow. What do you do is you forgive them of the debt that you're holding over them, right? And then, here's the beauty of this. Remember, Jesus told this in this, in this, in this talk about confrontation. Then you can actually talk to them about the hurt. When you're not holding a grudge against someone, you can actually talk about the hurt that they did and the weight's lifted off because you're not trying to change them anymore. You're letting them know what you experience and what you see and then they can do with that what they want. They can take that to Jesus. Right? When, when we lived in Texas, we had this ivy uh, that was called Greenbrier. Anybody, anybody been around Greenbrier or seen it? Imagine kudzu with thorns, right? Only smaller leaves. And it went everywhere. Everywhere. And, it, and like the, the, the bottom of the leaves had thorns. The stems had thorns. Like, like there was only one way to get rid of greenbrier. And it always grew on stuff that were bushes. and sh- Like you couldn't just spray weed killer on it, right? Because you'd kill everything else. 
What you had to do is you had to follow the, the ivy all the way down to where it went in the ground. And then you had to very carefully, because, you know, it had thorns on it, you had to dig around the dirt a little bit at the bottom because under the dirt was the only place where there weren't any thorns. Right? And only then could you reach in and pull that ivy up. And you know what? It would still grow back. And you know what you had to do? Follow it all the way to the end, dig around the dirt, and pull it up again. You see, this is what forgiveness is. Sometimes, y'all, we've got thorns and the people we're around have thorns. But when forgiveness seeps in under the dirt of our lives, we're able to pull that junk out, right? And so maybe we need to let the forgiveness of Jesus get under our dirt just a little bit today, right? Maybe we need to let it go a little bit deeper than it ever has, because when we do, there is rest, rest from holding a grudge and rest from letting this root of bitterness grow. Now, how do you do this? Well, it's like the parable shows, right? It's very simple. That <laughs> It's simple, but it ain't easy, y'all. Right? Because forgiveness is a declaration and a process. Right? Forgiveness is a declaration and a process. Listen, this, this, this person that, that, you know, was owed the money to, he made a declaration that you are forgiven. Right? And so think about it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the person that you're holding a grudge on right now. Or all of them. You know, whatever the case may be. Who is it? If you're a writing person, then write their name down. If you're a texting person, then open up a note or something and put that name down. Right? I want you to think about that person. And what we're going to do is we're going to make a declaration of forgiveness over them. Because we're going to deal with this right now. My prayer has been that you leave this place more released through forgiveness than you walked in. And so I want you to think about this person and we're going to make a declaration over them. For those of you here in Jesus, you can say this. For those of you who aren't, best of luck. Because there really is no way to forgive someone without the forgiveness of Jesus. So think about that person. And then in your own words, declare over them something like this. And you can do this in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. But do this in your head. In Jesus, I have been forgiven for everything. And right now, I forgive you of all the things that I hold against you. That's the declaration. In Jesus, I have been forgiven of everything. And because of Jesus, I forgive you. That's the declaration. Now here's the deal. You ain't gonna feel nothing when you do that. Most likely. Because, just like this guy, there's a process. And a test is coming. Because you're going to meet someone, maybe this person again, who owes you a hundred denarii, who owes you something, who hurts you again. And you're going to have an opportunity for a grudge to pop up again. And when you do, remember, there is a declaration and a process. And the next conversation in your head isn't about what you wish you should have said to them. The next conversation in your head is a prayer to God where you go, you go Jesus, I have already forgiven this person because you forgave me. Right? It's already done. And I forgive them again for this. You have forgiven me. I've already forgiven them. Forgive them again. And that is the 
process. It is a different conversation in your head based on the forgiveness of Jesus. And then what, what happens, and y'all, this is beautiful. It's happened in my life that, that the forgiveness of Jesus seeps down under the dirt, Right? And begins to slowly but surely pull that grudge out and pull that root of bitterness out. And, and, and how can you tell that this is being root up, rooted up? It's very simple because you don't hold a grudge against them anymore. When that offense comes up, you don't hold it against them. It is a completely different perspective. When you have the opportunity to speak about them, you don't go, well, let me tell you what they did to me, Right? When given the opportunity to speak about them, you bless them with your words. You have compassion for them. You see them the way that God sees them. You see, here's what bitterness does. And I've seen this. I've seen this in people, particularly older people, who have lived a life of unforgiveness. Bitterness keeps you bound to the past. Because you keep talking about what happened. Forgiveness allows you to hope for the future. Now, church, let me ask you, what kind of people do you want to be? Do you want to be a people bound to your past, or do you want to be a people looking and praying and seeing hope in what Jesus is doing in you for the, for the future? Like, I want to be one of those future people. Do you? Then let's do that. And let's forgive the way we have been forgiven. And let's hope for the future. Let's pray. Jesus, <clears throat> this is a simple concept, but it is, it is complex and it is heavy, but yet the kingdom way is that it's also already done. And so, Father, help us, help us to walk in this. Help us to know this and help us to understand this. Um, Father, help us to, to live this kingdom way. In Christ's name I pray, amen.